The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk in partnership with TheChairShot.com presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network and in association with NDPW.com. Turnbuckle Talk is sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com where you get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST. Turnbuckle Talk is also partnered with Phoenix at FNXFit.com where you get 15% off all your health supplements simply by using promo code TBTalkPod. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Listen on Podbeam, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you catch your favorite programs. And now, pro wrestling fanatics, are you ready? Here are your hosts, Big Joe and Carl Carafel. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Before we kind of get to our discussion here, Carl, how was the last week up there in Northern Ontario in the frigid north of Canada? Well, not quite yet. 
Northern Ontario, uh, same as the rest of Ontario, we have been essentially shut down once again mm-hmm. with this COVID crap that's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, everything kind of uh, not necessarily fully closed up, but bars are looking at closing restaurants, yeah. all of this stuff. No serving alcohol after, what is it, uh, 10 o'clock at night, having to close by 11. Everybody just go home. Uh, do what you got to do, and uh, yeah, that's it, I guess. Uh, just just follow the leader. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's some weird stuff. It's unfortunate that we're still dealing with this, but I figured, you know, we'd uh, get away from the COVID conversation and uh, and have uh, a discussion here. And for those of you watching, you'll notice that Carl and I are not alone this week, but we do have our other friends here. We have Mr. Michael Jargo from the Destino podcast, uh, a pro, a, sorry, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, which is uh, more episodes of that coming soon. How have you been doing, Jargo? That's an awful question to ask me right now. <laughs> I'm like, trying. This to, is I'm, the first time that I've gotten a podcast in like a month and a half, man. How do you think I'm doing? I'm full of pent up rage. Good, I'm good. Ready to, to 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 let go, but you know, I, I I'll try to keep it, you know, Canadian broadcasting friendly. <laughs> that's okay man you guys you guess uh, you know you don't have to pretend to be nice it's okay you can uh, just uh, just do your thing uh also we have from the monday locker room over in the homie media group we have mr richard brunson vickery you'll notice that actually does our intro every week here on turnbuckle talk how have you been doing sir oh, damn it joe it took my whole opening skit here right. by giving away that that is me there. I was going to say, <laughs> man, I don't know who's doing that opening intro, but he sounds like a major sounds familiar. Bag. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. Probably one of those Midwest, U.S. Midwest, just die hard, blow hard. Uh, <laughs> right. Just refers to himself by an acronym. Just one of those types of losers. But hey, gentlemen, it is great to be back with you. Uh, and and uh, that familiar face right over there. I haven't seen him in a little while. Back on again with Jargo. And uh, I know today's kind of focal here we're talking tag team wrestling absolutely and to kind of kick things off here where this all kind of stemmed from was uh, over this past week of course we did have a rather unfortunate death in the uh, the professional wrestling business animal from the the road warriors and i guess it's kind of go around the table here first i'll start with you carl uh, do you remember them more as legion of doom or the road warriors because i know uh, that, that seems to be something that's always been kind of up for debate legion of doom or road warriors You see, for me, I've always classified them as Legion of Doom as the tag team. Mm -hmm. Now, as persons, they were Road Warrior Animal and Road Warrior Hawk. So it was kind of, for me, I always saw it as it was their part of their name. So they were almost like it was, they were a brotherhood, part of a Road Warrior type of situation but always have been known as Legion of Doom. That's how I have always seen them and, and will always see them. For me, I think it was more of kind of the Road Warriors. I think Legion of Doom sounded too much like Dungeon of Doom to me. I know there was no relation or any connection there whatsoever, but just it, just the name felt a little too close to it for me. I always thought Road Warriors. I think uh, uh, it was just kind of... Um, Reminded me of, uh, you know, the the Mel Gibson movie and whatnot. But, I mean, just as a tag team, I mean, they were absolutely fantastic. You know, that this was right when I really started kind of getting into watching. These guys were that larger-than-life tag team presence in the ring. They definitely were, and it was always fantastic to see. I mean, they, they, they were ahead of their time. They really were. Uh, big guys getting up onto the top rope. I mean, y- y- you figure around that time as well, you still had guys like Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow yeah. and those big guys as well. But in a tag team, 
you really didn't see too many uh, big guys getting up on the ropes and uh, really hustling the way that they do. What was your take on uh, Legion of Doom Road Warriors, Jargo? Well, number one, the the name Legion of Doom is actually they were a faction originally. Mm-hmm. And then when they came into the WWE, they just rebranded the Road Warriors as the Legion of Doom. So yeah. to me, it was always kind of 50-50, kind of, kind of went either way. Um, it, the thing that to me that just astonishes me about the Road Warriors is looking back throughout history, they're one of the very, very few tag teams that you can say they were a draw. You could put the yep. Road Warriors in any main event anywhere in the country. You're going to get the Road Warrior pop and you're going to sell out the building. And there's not too many tag teams throughout professional wrestling history that you can say that about unless you know you're in Dallas and you were a huge Von Erichs fan. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Rick, what's your take on the on the Road Warriors? Well, I see, you know, we're talking about, you know, those early memories of them. They were one of those, those first teams that from the NWA days, with the black shoulder pads that I just remember, you know, young RBV is absolutely terrified of these individuals. <laughs> and then I don't know if it is that with that change of setting, when you go to WWE, because it, they were so different products and how they were presented, uh, they, you fell in love with them. You know, they absolutely, uh, you know, every kid was wanting, you know, paint their face and dress up like the road warriors. Hell, even to the point, uh, fourth grade, me, you know, convinces my dad to buy not just one pair, but two <laughs> pairs of $45 styrofoam shoulder, the Legion of Doom shoulder pads. So we can go as Hawk and Animal yeah. is me and my buddy could go as Hawk and Animal that year for Halloween. Uh, but absolutely, you know, as Jargo talking about, you know, one of the one of the few, if not only tag teams that was a legit draw inside of professional wrestling. I mean, they, they could sell out arenas around the globe. It just wouldn't sell shit in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. And with, uh, with the animal passing though, this past week, I didn't want to just focus on him because, you know, as the show uh, kind of implies here, it was about tag teams, you know, they kind of went hand in hand. And during the real kind of heyday, I mean, they were both living a pretty hard, pretty fast lifestyle, especially Hawk. And unfortunately, you know, Hawk left us uh, quite a few years ago. But uh, yeah, it was just... Was just one of those things where I mean these guys were just a staple when I first started kind of watching it and like I'd mentioned at the top they just they had that larger than life presence they weren't necessarily maybe the the best kind of in the in the ring you could say there were some better tag teams in the ring but just they they had that presence and just looking well, at them up. looking at them made you want to watch them why well, why were there better tag teams in the ring because we just talked about the ones that were selling out arenas oh well, uh, I'm not taking anything away from that I'm just talking you know if we're talking just strictly in ring like uh, wrestling I think that, you know arguably the chain wrestling and drop kicks is not success in professional wrestling it's moving tickets oh no and and yeah that is, and that's kind of the the point that I wanted to try and make here is that uh, that's what they did extremely well and nowadays to make it kind of a comparison to modern day, is this a gimmick that would accomplish the same modern day? Well, let's start with you, Carl. Do you think that the Road Warriors would uh, would um, sell tickets like they, they did back in the day? Definitely they yeah. would. Yeah, 100% they would. Yeah. I mean, you watch a professional wrestling match, what do you, what do you want to see? Mm-hmm. You want to see these guys going out there and, and dominating somebody inside of that ring. Um, so why not? I mean, that's exactly what they did. They went out there, they dominated, they made it look good. They had great chemistry together. They had awesome work with anybody, mm-hmm. anybody that they were in the ring with. 
of, of, of course, something like that definitely could work today. And, and you, you talk about modern day. I, I, I want to pull this over just, just a moment to FTR. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at FTR and, and that's kind of what I see. I see a lot of like this classic old school type of uh, rough tumble uh, big guy type of work coming out of FTR. So, I mean, influential, all 100% work today. I think we're kind of seeing, you know, uh, like a new incarnation of working today. I think the, the, the gimmick would possibly be a bit of an issue, especially in the WWE. Um, I think it would all just hinge on how it would be presented and, and uh, you know, their presence on social media. And you know, if we get to see too much of them uh, outside of the ring, I think that, that could kind of make or break that, that deal. And I think that's what really made them work. You know, the, these were these guys. That, I remember as a kid legitimately thinking that this is who these guys were. And that, that's something that's changed modern day. What do you think, Jarry? Could uh, the Road Warriors have worked today? Um, could they have worked? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would they have been as successful as they were then? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, and, and that's mostly because of the modern day wrestling climate. I mean, like you, you bring up WWE. Who in WWE is a draw now? Mm-hmm. Nobody. The brand itself is the draw at this point. The, the actual number of people that put butts in seats at this point is probably down to about a half dozen throughout the entire world. Everything mm-hmm. else is about the brand itself. And then you also have to look at the modern day tag team climate and where would the road warriors fit into it? Because, you know, Carl brings up FTR to me, it's more the Briscoes, right? Because here are two dudes who are just going to go out there and yeah, they're not the prettiest in the ring. They're not going to out wrestle you, but they're two big, bad dudes who are going to punch you in the mouth. And there's not too many tag teams like that these days that, you know, the road warriors could be in a main event program with, I mean, even if you put them up against the good brothers, Hawk and animal are going to dwarf machine gun. Yeah. As much as I love machine gun, they, they, they were just two big, huge guys. Look at the authors of pain. I mean, when the authors of pain came in, they were ready to strap a rocket to them and send them right to the top. To me, AOP or the Briscoes would be a much more modern day comparison to what the Road Warriors were back then. And I think, like, Gorillas of Destiny 2, Tomatonga and uh, Tongaloa, those are two other guys I think could uh, um, work in that scenario as well. But it, it, as, as great as Tomatonga is, like, he would run circles around the Animal, yeah. and then Animal would punch him in the mouth. Right. Like, that, that's how it would work. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't mind seeing that matchup. Uh, what do you think, Rick? What, what's your take on them working in the modern day? I, I got to go a completely different direction here than you gentlemen. I don't right. think it works at, at all, not yeah. one bit. Uh, and it's because of the overexposure that we see from a product like WWE mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, any of the big ones. Uh, back then, what was so cool about it is they could travel from area to area or even when they were on that national scene with, w- with the NWA or WWE. We didn't have the oversaturation where they're hitting us every day with content. And a lot of that and why I kind of started with that point is personally, let's we talk about they didn't sell for anyone. They protected their own business. You don't see that in today's age. Yep. Joe, you were talking about WWE. What's leaving me look at, let's say, on the other side, of that, they would end up with AEW, and Tony Khan goes to them and says, hey, I need you to go out there and sell a dropkick for Marco Stunt. Guess what? <laughs> right. The money, the money Mark fanboy's yeah. head's getting put into a yeah. toilet because there's no way that they're absolutely no. going to do that, and that is the culture of professional wrestling right now. You don't have individuals protecting themselves, working their size, and you got to have – you got to have that feeling about it yeah. that someone that tries to step up and actually do that is going to be, you know, future endeavor 
best down the road or whatever. No, uh, that, that, that that's an excellent point and something I think uh, kind of goes uh, undiscussed. It's something that we got to explore further. And in tag team wrestling, I, I think you really see that uh, being an issue and possibly why you know tag team wrestling is maybe not uh, it's definitely no longer. Uh, uh, focus i mean you can argue that AEW tries to make it a focus but i don't know if they've really been successful but we'll, we'll kind of get into that uh, as the show kind of continues on here but i thought we, we'd uh, hit on some of our favorite tag teams and stand-up moments uh, throughout the years and uh, kind of go around the table and uh, give some of our standouts um since we have our, our guest here carl i think maybe we'll let uh, rick and jargo go here first so jargo um what, what's one of your favorite tag teams to kind of stand out throughout the years of your uh professional wrestling viewing you know, this is really, really difficult because right. I, I was trying to think back, like going back historically, mm-hmm. and then I was also trying to compare to what we have in the new modern day. Yep. And like to me, when I go back to like my childhood, when it comes to mainstream tag team wrestling, for me, it was like the Rockers, the Heart Foundation. Yeah. I Even as a kid, I was much more about the little guys who were going out there and working versus the big guys who were going out there and just beating everybody up. But I, to me, the epitome of all tag team wrestling, one of the greatest trilogies in wrestling history, tag team or not, has got to be Edge and Christian, the Hardys, and the Dudleys. Mm-hmm. To me, that, that's the very, very tippy top of my list. That's something that'll come up for me later on, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, what about you, Rick? Uh, what are some standout tag team um, tag teams and some standout moments for you? Well, I think, you know, that first tag team, obviously we talk about just the impact that the that the Road Warriors had on any young fan. Yeah. But I was on the other side of the coin on that. I was more of a demolition guy. I loved me some action <laughs> smash when I was young. Yeah. Uh, and then through that, you know, then, you know, the uh, the, the Bulldogs, you know, mm. just because, you know, they, they had that, that perfect blend of that power and the, you know, the athleticism, the speed, the technical prowess, all of that was kind of embodied inside of the Bulldogs. And then as Jargo mentioned, you know, as we get into the attitude era and all that, it just kind of redefined professional wrestling with the Dudleys, Edging Christian and the Hardys. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Carl? Um, Jargo talks about liking the little guys. I, I kind of liked the bigger guys. Um, yeah, the Bulldogs was one of them, definitely. Um, the natural disasters, believe it or not. <laughs> Earthquake yeah. and typhoon. Yeah. I loved seeing those guys as a tag team working. Um, I, I don't know what it was about them. I just, I was, I was a fat kid growing up and to see fat guys in the ring being able to work and, and do everything that they could do. I was like, Holy, holy crap. Like I, I could do that. They're fat. I remember I'm fat. When I could do that. <laughs> I must've been like eight, nine years old when I went to one of my very, very first wrestling shows. It was a place down in the Quad Cities, and I ended up somehow in an elevator with Tugboat Thomas be- before he was Typhoon. Yep. And my God, I thought the elevator was going to crash. I was like, there's no <laughs> way that this elevator can take this amount of weight. I'm going to die with Tugboat Thomas. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And then, then obviously I- the Rockers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've... Uh, I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan. Always have been. Always will be. Um, and then you come into to like today. We're going to get into this a little bit more, I'm sure. But there really isn't a lot of, of like standout tag teams today. No. But more singles people coming I, together. I, I wouldn't say that I'm, to a couple chicken farmers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Kenny Omega and Adam Page. 
those two as a tag team, I think just uh, just just worked very well. Um, and I was I was always happy to see the two of them going out there working together. Did you ever consider them a tag team or are they two singles guys that are being forced to tag though? Cause to me, that's always been yeah. a huge definitive difference. You know what? Yeah. It definitely is a difference. And that unfortunately that is kind of how I see them. They're two singles guys that came together, won some belts and, and, and just worked together. Right. Uh, they weren't really a full fledged tag team as opposed to two singles competitors that kind of, you know, joined forces for a little bit. Well, I didn't want to throw it in here, and I know it's not exactly the, the, the same point, but it does lend to where I want to go with what something else Carl was talking about. When we're talking about putting these singles guys together, you look like you look at people like the Natural Disasters, and what tag team wrestling has meant for career, so many careers is to take people on the back end of that and put them together and give them a point. You know, you really think about it, Earthquake could have just been easily written, completely written away after that run at, at Hawkamania. Yeah. Uh, so now they've found something else for them to do. They have you know, they regenerate their careers. There's so many others, you know, I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, even rhythm and blues with, with honky and <laughs> Valentine or, yeah. uh, DiBiase and IRS. You know, we've seen that so many times where you get some guys that might be on the back end. They don't really have the legs under them. Hell, you know, what I talked about one of my favorites demolition because of that, because Uddy was just, he couldn't do it anymore by himself in the ring. He needed somebody else in there. Thus we have the, you know, the, the birth of demolition. Yeah. For me, for me, early days, um, my favorite tag team, it's just, it's a coincidence that, uh, that came up at the beginning the, the Legion of Doom or, or the Road Warriors, whichever you want to call them, they, they were, uh, when I first started watching them, they, they were the tag team for me. Just, uh, I remember just being a little kid, just watching them and just being in awe the whole entire time. It's just like, wow. It's like human beings can do stuff like this. Like it's just, it's, I, think should, I think we should, uh, answer Spencer's question there real yeah. quick. Uh, from you just kind of go around a circle, go around the horn here real quick. Uh, Bulldogs or Heart Foundation? Ooh, that's a tough pick, man. That's a tough pick. It's it's very, it's very tough. Um, Heart Foundation. Heart Foundation for me too. Heart Foundation. Yeah. Well, since I'm just going to be difficult, I'll go Bulldogs. <laughs> Damn it! You could have made it a clean sweep. Um, we, we, we should we should address his other question too. Yeah. Yes. Like, here. What's the we difference kind of you know, been. between it? What was that, Carl? Said so we, we kind of have been, but yeah, let's continue yeah. on with it. Well, to me, the difference is you can take two singles guys and put them together. They can become a tag team. Yeah. As it's long as you know, that if you have matching gear, you have matching gear, you actually come up with a team name, you have one team entrance. Like to me, that's the difference. Like even like Cesaro and Nakamura at this point are, are more of an actual tag team because They've been put together as a tag team. They're not just two singles guys who went out and kind of stunk it up, and they were like, oh, we're going to stick you two guys together. Yeah, occasionally when they stick two guys together, sometimes it just works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, the example of them, I thought that they, the the bar they worked really well as a tag team. Maybe not quite so much near near the end there, but, uh, but I thought that they did all right. Like I said, you know, when I first started watching Legion of Doom, Heart, uh, Road Warriors, they were absolutely my favorite tag team. And then when it comes to, to modern day, I have to go with the Briscoes in Ring of Honor. Uh, those guys are just, to me, they, they embody what tag team wrestling is, and they're one of the few tag teams I think that really does it well. I think that if you were to blow them up a little bit on a bit of a bigger stage, they could be a big draw, potentially. Uh, and I think I, I think people can relate to them as well. I do think I, Stevie drops in here with us on the live chat. Yeah, uh, you know, Maybe a lot of people, as we talk about the big booms in tag team wrestling, 
Uh, for a while there, ECW had some incredible tag teams going. That was yeah. very hot division for a good run of that company. Yeah. Well, and that was done on purpose by Paul because he wanted something that would set ECW apart from what WCW was doing, well, from what WWF was doing. Right. And with, and with your shorter television time and all that, <clears throat> why they use like the triple threat so much in ECW is so you get more exposure for your talents. Yeah. Absolutely. And then just for, for myself, for, for a standout moment, uh, for something more modern day, uh, going back to WrestleMania uh, a few years ago, when uh, the Hardys made their uh, surprise uh, return for me, that that was one of the last times, uh, and it just happened to be a tag team match, but at WrestleMania where I really popped uh, as a fan. When that happened, I was like, legitimately, I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, it was, was jacked. It was we awesome. all knew it was coming, but you still popped for it. Yeah, it was it was absolutely fantastic. That's a lot, one of the legitimate times I've uh, popped uh, WrestleMania. It's been a while. It might be one of the last real pops too. Yeah, I mean, because you know, so much so much of the time, you know, we're we're ruined by spoilers online. It, yeah, oh you know so-and-so is going to be coming they actually did a great job protecting that mm-hmm. come on you're, you're underselling you know the dog food spot <laughs> oh geez we right? might get to yeah. that we might get to that yeah. there's yeah. still more to go with this episode yeah. here so we might uh, very well uh get to that let's talk before, about before we continue on for a second here yeah. spencer yes uh of course of course Definitely. I mean, yeah, that's what we do here. We love interacting with anyone that is in here that wants to send us a message and talk. That's what we're here for. Not only are we doing this podcast, but definitely we're going to answer your questions too. So anybody that's watching, you got questions, you got comments for it, post them in here and we we would love to uh, answer them for you. Definitely. Absolutely. Because we love wrestling. Just a little, little, uh, little, uh, Thing for Spencer knows what that means. Yep, yep. Um, inside thing right now. Yes. Um, let's talk about the current state of tag team wrestling, uh, guys, and because I think that this is something that I think it's legitimately worth talking about. Uh, I think that I'll center on the table. I'll start with Jargo first, but just for myself briefly, just to kind of lead things off. I think that tag team wrestling is really hurting right now, but I think we could maybe do more of this topic. Is what can we do to um, to breathe some life back into tag team wrestling. Let's start with you, Jargo. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is the number of quality tag teams in the world. Yeah. Like, I mean, when you actually stop and think about, you know, how many great tag teams there are in the world right now, I get like maybe five or six deep. Mm-hmm. And that's like going across all the major promotions at this point, you yeah. know? So that to me is the biggest issue with tag team wrestling. The other issue with tag team wrestling is like Rick said earlier, it's just the television exposure. You know, there's so many tag teams that are just like New Day. New Day is fantastic. I don't ever need to see New Day on my television again. Like, you know, they've been out for months at this point. (laughs) And it's just like, I consider myself lucky that I don't have to deal with pancakes and pelvic thrusts (laughs) and trombones. And to me, that's the biggest issue is just the actual talent because it's like nobody wants to devote themselves to tag team wrestling anymore, which to me is where you bring up FTR earlier. That to me is the difference between FTR and most of the major tag teams in the world. Like they're a tag team. They set out to go out and be the best tag team in the world. And I just don't see that amongst this generation of professional wrestlers. Everybody wants to go out and be a single star. Because the perception still is right now currently, especially, and I hate to pick on the WWE, that the tag team matches are the bathroom break matches like, you know, quite often. It's like, oh, there's a tag team match and I'm going to... What promotion aren't they? Yeah. At this point. At this point. No, that's ROH? Because yeah. the Briscoes are on. I'm going to watch the Briscoes. I'm going to watch the Briscoes, yeah. What do you think, Rick? 
Well, I think, you know, we're talking about it's the bigger issue of professional wrestling inside of itself. And tag team wrestling is such an, a classic art form. Uh, it takes a whole different dynamic of how you're going to approach the match. You know, it's just not that one-on-one. You've got your, your, own, your own dance partner in your corner working against that other team over there. The problem with today's tag team, there's, there's tremendous athletes out there. There could be great teams put together here. Mm-hmm but they don't know of how to actually work together inside of that tag team dynamic. <clears throat> yeah. Everybody's worried about still getting all of their shit in, getting all their spots in. They're not going down. It's not the traditional game plans of breaking someone down, working into a corner, trying to isolate things like that. They've forgot the classic storytelling. Now it's now we've got extra bodies in here. We've got more crash test dummies. Let's just go full throttle. That's the problem. I'm wondering if too, if maybe even at the, at, just in the, in the, the the training is it maybe just I mean there aren't enough wrestlers getting trained in the art of tag team wrestling because I mean this isn't just something that you can just kind of just you got like an AEW where they come out and you know they pound their chests and they boast hey we're making tag team wrestling great again no you're actually yeah. overexposing it you're the ones making it look so bad I mean you've got your own commentary team pointing out that they are shocked when they actually use a tag rope <laughs> I mean it's just the basics of yeah. the thing. What do you think, uh, Carl? Um, tag team wrestling. Well, what can, what, 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 what can well, we do? That's one of the big things. Yeah. Go ahead, Carl. Go ahead, Carl. Okay. <laughs> Some brief technical issues. A little, issues little, little bit of lag going on there, but it's good. We'll, yeah. we'll fight through this. Um, current tag team states. I mean, tag team wrestling has been around forever. I mean, unfortunately... Nowadays, like we've talked about in the WWE, it just seems to be um, random pairings of people put together and uh, thrown in there and uh, trying to pull them off as tag teams. Um, Back in the days of legit tag team wrestlers, you really didn't see a branch off very often. Or I shouldn't say that because you you, you did. You you would see like kind of a, a singles run happen, right, within a tag team. But the main focus was tag team there wasn't a flip-flop continuous of you know tag team and then a singles run and then a tag team and then a singles run and then a tag team and so on and so on and so on um tag team wrestling back in the day was tag team that's what it was you started in the business working with this person as a tag team you ended in this business working as a tag team with that person yeah that that's lost today uh, we, even even last night, we saw on the pay-per-view, Roman Reigns versus his cousin. <laughs> one half of the Usos. Was it really needed? Sure, it made for some good story. It definitely did. Don't get me wrong. You know, pulling in that whole family dynamic and aspect to it. But he's a tag team wrestler. Yeah. He came in as a tag team. Why are we now essentially splitting up? understandably well, uh, maybe uh, one's uh, injured right, right? Yeah, injured i mean even going back to the legion of doom you've seen hawk and animal go on solo runs yeah right but but they weren't they weren't necessarily a uh, solo run of this is just me now and and i'm going out there and i'm fighting for all these world championships or or yeah, mid-card yeah, titles yeah. and yeah they did you're you're right they did but it we wasn't just don't, it we wasn't just don't a remember huge it focus. because it wasn't yeah we just don't remember because they didn't have find that tremendous that's right. success that's, that's right, right. 
you know, and, and, and that's, I mean, for, for, for me anyways, I think that that's, you know, the current state, that's, that's where we're at. Like you, it, it seems to be a, too much of a flip-flop back and forth from, oh, we're a tag team. Oh, I'm on a singles run. Oh, I'm on a tag team. Oh, I'm a singles run. And it just seems to be a continuous, you know, pick one. <laughs> you want to be a good tag team? Then work with your partner, be a good tag team. You want to be a singles run? Work with yourself and be a good singles run. Absolutely. I'll take the rest. I have a question for you guys too. I've had this mm-hmm. conversation within uh, Ben Hameen for those who don't know from the Hameen Media Group, and he pretty much just told me I was stupid to say it. But, uh, where, where, where do you think Cesaro will be placed when we talk about all-time great tag team wrestlers? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question. I, yeah, I don't know. I made I made the comparison not in ring style, but when we're talking about someone who's found success with multiple tag teams different partners. I mean, I was making a comparison between down the line. We're going to talk about names like Cesaro and Arn yeah. Anderson for, for my, Romero. Yeah. For myself. I mean, in 10 plus years from now, I don't know if it'll come up that often. Nothing to take it to take anything away from Cesaro, but it's not something that, you know, just comes right to mind. Nothing against Cesaro, yeah, amazing I mean, talent, yeah. but just as, as, as a, as a tag team, just, it's not the, the, the thing that comes right to mind, but we'll, we'll get more. I think, I, one, one more thing I want to throw. Yeah, for sure. Joe. I think the other problem is the presentation of tag team wrestling on television. Yes. Because you're so limited in what you can do on television. Because if you're trying to get yep. all four guys in the frame, you have to go with that one hard cam wide shot. And that kind of limits you. One thing that I do like that they do so much more in New Japan than I see in American wrestling, although I am seeing it a little bit in AEW, is when you've got two guys in the ring, it's not uncommon to see the two guys on the outside of the ring just jump down and just stand on the floor so that you can focus on what's going on inside the ring instead of one guy standing on the bottom rope just extending his hand when you know that he's not going to make a tag for, you know, at least like the next 10 minutes. And a lot of the issue, too, is even at the beginning of the match, a lot of time entrances are cut off by commercials and stuff. So just for me, it just throws the whole kind of uh, flow of it off. But we're going to get more into this here, guys. I want to take a brief break and hear from our friends over at Caller and Ebo and our friends over at OVW as well. We'll be right back. Wrestling, a love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand, the wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Dictionary defines hero as a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Being a hero in life is far more than words printed on a page. It takes an unwavering code, a compass that points true north, always. And in times like these, it takes sacrifice. Hero shouldn't be a word defined by a dictionary. It's a word that should be defined by the best of us. Hero has a new definition. Hi, my name is Barry Radcliffe. You might recognize me from such films as The Longest Ride or Dead 2. Now, as a successful actor, I have two planes, a supermodel wife, 
countless exotic cars, and a ton of cash. You might think it couldn't get any better than this, but you'd be wrong for only $4.99. You could get OVWWrestlingNetwork.com. That's OVWWrestlingNetwork.com for only $4.99. Now, will your life be as good as this? No! Will it be better? Yes, and I guarantee that. That's not valid anywhere. OVWWrestlingNetwork.com is only $4.99. Tomorrow's yesterday is today. Price is so low, they're insane. What more angry or buttless, so do I at OVWWrestlingNetwork.com. It's only $4.99 a month. In between excitement, me too. OVWWrestlingNetwork.com is only $4.99 a month. You get that incredible value. She cost me $17 million and I loved it. Want a real value? OVWWrestlingNetwork.com. It's only $4.99. That's a price so low. Well, it's insane. <laughs> Okay, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel and uh, Jargo and Rick uh, back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Of course, you, you just heard from our seventeen million dollar hooker. Uh, yes, <laughs> apparently. Uh, you also heard from our friends over at Color Noble Brand, where when you use promo code JK Podcast, you can get ten percent off any of your purchase there. So uh, make sure and uh, check that out. All right, Carl, uh, let, let's uh, talk a little bit more. We'll go, go ahead, Jargo. Well, Jargo's got his mic muted. There we oh. go. No, I was. I was just saying Al Snow's uh, commercials are more intense than like 90% of the wrestling promos that I see today. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. Hey, You're not wrong. Real, real quick on the wrestling promos. I got to have a funny story because, uh, you know, it's one of the things that it, it, it's one of the best cuts. If you head on over to YouTube to the, uh, the Hameen media page, media group page there. And I asked Ben a while back about, you know, the importance or, you know, the, the lack of focus from, especially on the indies, where people are just cutting these ridiculous promos. You know, one of the examples I use there is someone, there's a Prince of Darkness, but they're cutting their promo as they're grilling out or they're <laughs> sitting in their living room. You can see their family photos and all that. Yep. So I, I've been kind of taking the, the reins on the Revolution Pro Wrestling as we're getting ready to get going again here in November about beginning to get our talent and doing their promos. So I was out with a handful of talents yesterday and I had them all over on some different on you know, on-site locations, things like that. Yes. So one of the members of the Kings of Chaos, I had him in a cemetery. And they were going to be involved in this cage match. And I saw this really cool old mausoleum. And I went over and I kicked the gate open on it. So they're all freaked out. I'm like, no, get in there, get in there, get in there. He absolutely <laughs> would not get in the thing. <laughs> I had to come up with something else for him. But. Awesome. A little bit more on uh, on the topic that we were talking on before we went to the break here, guys, about uh, who currently in uh, professional wrestling does tag team wrestling the best. I think this is a bit of a tough uh, question to answer just because I think it's kind of sketchy all across the board here. But let's uh, uh, start with you, Rick. Uh, who, who, who do you think uh, does tag team wrestling well these days? We're talking well, to promotions. In today's, and just in professional wrestling in general, if I got to come up with 10 dream matches that I want to see from today's current product. Yeah. Uh, eight of them are going to involve the Briscoes. Yeah. And, and I think just simply just because of what they bring to the table, it still is as a promotion where they seem a little lost and have lost their identity. Still ring of honor stands out just simply because of the Briscoes. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to toss in though. It, it's the last time I was really excited about something special, a special event side for wrestling was the Crockett cup mm-hmm. and what the NWA was trying to represent Those... there. And, and you had to really love because the Briscoes were involved there <sighs> yeah. as well. They had their little war going on. Uh, you look at the, the resurgence of somebody like the rock and roll express, uh, how yeah. trendy they are once again, is we're talking about, you know, truly the, the greats of all time. Uh, so yeah, those those two, Ring of Honor and 
in, in NWA. Uh, on the flip side of that, again, AEW can tell us all they want how great they are, but they're at, to me, they're the one that's absolutely killing tag team wrestling. By the way, just uh, briefly, uh, those NWA tag team wrestling belts are absolutely gorgeous. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google search them. They are a, a great throwback, just gorgeous uh, tag team belts, if that's your thing. Uh, Carl, uh, let me go bounce it over to you. Who do you think uh, does tag team wrestling best these days? Uh, I, I have to be in agreement with uh, with Rick there. I mean, the Briscoe is 100%. I mean, when when you think tag team wrestling, I mean, those are those – are, one of the names that come up uh, every single time, no matter what professional wrestling fan you're talking to, somebody always has something good about the Briscoes. Um, and, and, and what, what I love is, is that, you know, they can, they can just feed off of each other. It's, it's, I mean, yes, they, they've been doing this a very long time, very long time. and you can see that. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've really enveloped as tag team. Um, have they had singles runs? Yeah, they definitely have. Have they won championships as singles? Yeah, they definitely have. Uh, but at the end of the day, they stood out a lot more for me anyways, as a tag team and just worked perfectly. Mr. Michael Jargo, who does tag team wrestling best these days? Well, New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course. I mean, of course. Oh, was... I, I'm a New Japan guy. I've got to put over my own product, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as much as I love the Briscoes, I firmly believe that the best tag team in the world are the Gorillas of Destiny. And uh, I very much look forward to the inevitable Gorillas of Destiny versus the Good Brothers feud. Because mm. I, to me, those are two of the best tag teams in the, in the world. But if you want to go back to like the best tag team program of the last decade, as far as I'm concerned, has got to be Briscoes and G.O.D., I was hoping to, to make a kind of a clean sweep here, but I'm kind of uh, somewhere in the middle here. Uh, I, I'm, I, I like uh, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Wrestling, and I like the New Japan Pro Wrestling, so I'm going to kind of pick both. Uh, I, I enjoy the Tag Team Wrestling on both sides of things. Uh, you know, the Briscoes uh, over in the Ring of Honor side, and then all the, the great Tag Team stuff at Eppard's over in New Japan. Uh, World Tag League is, is always something that, that, I, that I thoroughly enjoy watching, and I don't really consider myself a Tag Team guy, and I enjoy uh, the New Japan uh, style of the, the tag team wrestling, you know, when you get guys together like Minoru Suzuki and uh, Zack Sabre Jr., I mean, uh, that's right in my wheelhouse. I enjoy the hell out of that stuff. Come on, Joe. We we all know that you were a closet Jurassic Express fan. <laughs> uh, <Right>? No. <laughs> Nothing to take away from Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. Uh, uh, I enjoy both those guys for what they are. But uh, um, for me, that, that initial charm of them kind of wore off rather quickly for me, just to say well, for me, the frustrating thing about AEW is when you look at that tag team roster, they yeah. should have the best tag team division in the world. They should. They should. They should. And they just don't. No, I definitely agree. All right, guys. Let us uh, move away briefly for some tag team wrestling here. And let us talk a little breaking news. So before we got on here today, we were actually kind of uh, shooting the breeze about uh, some WWE stuff, strangely enough. And uh, apparently, guys, there was a WWE pay-per-view on Sunday. And apparently, uh, even according to Michael Jargo, it didn't suck. Uh, and Carl watched it as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, pay-per-view last night, guys. 
you know what? There was good stuff, you know, through and through. I mean, there was some bad stuff, definitely. Don't get me wrong. I mean, unfortunately, it seems like every time we talk about the WWE, there's bad stuff that's happening. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't totally bad. There was some good stuff that uh, that happened there. Um, uh, myself, you know, honestly, I was a fan of the um, uh, the main event match. Uh, you know, like that. I, I was I was I was happy with it. I mean, and, and I think maybe because it's Randy Orton, right? Randy Orton mm-hmm. is another one of those guys that's just a staple within the professional wrestling world and, and really can do it all, I guess. But because of Randy Orton in that match, uh, I mean, Drew McIntyre as well, not to take anything away from him. He's, he's really, uh, you know, after his first run with the WWE, he went away, came back again, and, and is really doing some good stuff. But that match, at least didn't suck for me mm-hmm. uh, it was an ambulance match I, so i don't know if it's maybe just because it was more of a hardcore match and them just not inside of the ring duking it out i don't know but i enjoyed that match what about you jargo what did you think of the show because even even you were uh, a little up on this which is unusual the problem with the wwe as somebody who has stopped watching the wwe with the exception of the big shows is the talent goes out the talent works hard the talent like they're they're coming up with like especially like that ladder match was absolutely insane and then the wwe overbooks it and the finishes don't often make sense and it's like the wrestling itself is fine but just watching the storytelling is just absolutely baffling to me like to me one of my favorite finishes of the year was Zelina vega versus is Asuka from last night. But there's absolutely zero reason Zelina Vega should have been in the ring with Asuka last night. Yep, it's very, yeah, very true. Yeah. I mean, totally I, I don't see any reason why she would have either. Yeah. None at all. I mean, uh, Jargo, I believe you, before we got on, we're, we're talking about her, uh, her record right now in, uh, you yeah. know, matches being like one win, four losses, something like that. So for her to be put one into in that match, in 2020, there we go. One in five in 2020 yeah. makes absolutely no sense. Who the hell did she beat? <laughs> Mickey James. Is that who it was? Yeah. Damn me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's again, you know, it's, she's a tremendous talent. You know, one of the, if they let her go in there, she's going to be one of the best inside of the WWE women's mm-hmm. roster. Uh, yep. But again, in your own narrative, though, in your creative, in your storytelling, it makes absolutely zero sense yep. uh, in any reason there. I, I guess overall on the thing, my biggest issue here with, with WWE is you've seen, even, you know, so much recently people praising the work now of Roman Reigns and they, they like the turn and all that. Uh, again, it just speaks to what what Jargo and I have been screaming since we started podcasting is that WWE has conditioned, perfectly conditioned their audience were to accept where mediocrity is excellence. Right. But like Roman Reigns is a great example of what I'm talking about, right? Like I loved what Roman Reigns did in the ring last night but they also used him for a charity spot earlier on the show. Like it's like the most baby face thing that you possibly could do. And then you have him go out there and be a total douchebag at the end of the show. It's like, just get your goddamn continuity right from segment to segment, let alone show to show. 
Yeah, that yeah, de- definitely that that irked me just as much. It really did. I mean, sure, I understand. You know what everything is is going on this month for you know cancer research and 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 you know cancer in children and all of this. But if you're gonna have this big dog or the now tribal chief of the WWE, um, uh, <laughs> Jargo throwing his head back. Don't have him do dog. charity spots if he's a bad guy. That's How right. How many times did he say tribal chief during that match last night? Oh, like, man. you know, WWE buzzword. I got to hammer this thing home. I'm going to say right? it 45 times during the match. <laughs> right. And, and he did. <sighs> Legitimately, he did. Now, I do I do have to say I, I've, I'm not a huge Roman Reigns fan, but I am happy and, and Joe, you will be happy with this too. The vest is gone. Yeah, the, that should have been a thing right after the he vest, left the shield. The vest is gone. Good. And honestly, he looks like a powerhouse yeah. without that stupid tack vest on him. Yeah. So the look, he's got that now. So now they yeah. need to really capitalize on this and build on it a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, again, I'm not, I haven't been yeah. a huge Roman Reigns fan, but I like that they have done this with him. Yeah. It just, it, it feels like it may be a little too, little too late. And then just so when you, when you have somebody playing a bad guy, you can't, or if you're going to do these cherry spots, you have to keep them a little lower key, but you can't because you're, you're a big company. So just, uh, you have to pick and choose who you use in those spots very carefully. And I guess it's just something that they feel people don't care about. To me, the thing with Roman Reigns that's so interesting is he's actually cast right finally. Yeah, finally. Yes. Yeah. And he's killing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Yeah. We, this we, might... we said this five years ago. Right? Think of how much money we could have made five years ago. Yeah. We were talking about this before we even met you guys, and we're on the HTM podcast, and we've been talking about this for years. If they keep this up, I might be a Roman Reigns fan we'll because I'm liking what I'm seeing. We right shall now. see. And that's the problem. You're that's not, the problem with supposed professional to like wrestling in 2020 yeah. all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to like the bad guy. Right. Not I know. To. I know. I hear that on, on social media He's all the time. He's just this like yeah. timid, shy, yeah. little monster. Yeah. Supposed Suffer to be. Suffer and suck yeah. yeah. But now they've done it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm happy about that. That makes me happy as a wrestling yeah. fan that finally I'm getting to see this. Yeah. Guy, go out there and do what he can well, do. To add to what Jugger is saying, there's yeah, a mindset of a wrestling fan, especially. I mean, this is a little bit of a different platform, as you know, we're kind of analyzing things here. Mm-hmm. But especially when you go to a show and these audiences, you know, want to be such a big part of it, you're not doing those talents that you claim you appreciate any favors when you go out there and contradict what the hell they're trying to do. Right. Uh, one thing that comes right to my mind about this that is he's pretty good about getting around it, but is Kevin Owens hmm. when he's out there trying to get heat or Adam Cole, when they're out there yeah. trying to get heat, you going against that and trying to cheer and chant for them is not doing them any favors. No, no one in the back is listening or cares about what you want or the direction you want to go there. They're going to keep, you know, pushing their, you know, going their course here. You can help out that talent. You can help, elevate that talent by playing along to the role that they are trying to portray. The one that one that really gets me too, and I know Jargo really feel me on this one too, is over New Japan wrestling, we're talking Jay White. We see a lot of North American fans are like, oh, Jay White, oh, he sucks, blah, blah, blah. I hate him so much. I'm like, guess what? He's a bad guy. You're supposed to hate him. Mm. 
Mission accomplished. Right? He's doing his job right. He hates. This he- is how Tyler Breeze became my favorite professional wrestler. Bingo. When when I am as tuned into the WWE universe as I was at least, <laughs> and I am getting worked by somebody being a douchebag. <laughs> right. Mission accomplished. Once I realize, oh my god, I'm supposed to hate this guy. Damn, he's good at his job. Yep. Like Switchblade Jay White has zero redeemable qualities. If you are a Switchblade Jay White fan, you should probably check yourself into a mental institution because <laughs> you might be a serial killer. There is nothing yeah. likable about the guy. Yep, nothing. Absolutely. absolutely. I I do have to point out that I am 100% in agreement with Rick there. Um, definitely at home. I'm super happy for the bad guys. Super happy. If I'm at a live event though, exactly as that guy down there has said, um, I, I'm I'm doing exactly what the company wants. If boo the earns. company wants that I boo the bad guy, I'm booing that bad guy. Boo Even earns. though I want to be screaming going, This I love you, you're amazing. I don't. I boo that bad guy because that's the that and that's because if people continue to cheer for them and and do and then they're gonna go like oh well he's just getting cheered we we may as well just turn it around and make him a baby face and then the whole character and everything is gone so if you're at live events do as everyone else is doing even if it goes against your grain and how you feel about that person go against the grain while you're at live events and when you're at home watching on youtube or your tv stream out in happiness yeah and, and actually, it makes actually from a fan's viewpoint, uh, it it makes watching the show that much more enjoyable for yeah. yourself because you, you're oh, really yeah. buying into it instead of trying to go. Yeah. Against yeah. Well, exactly. If I see people on the screen booing the hell out of the guy that I'm I'm kind of digging on right now, of course that makes me even happier because I'm like, ah, he's doing his job. Everybody hates him. Yeah. Well, and, right? and part of it's the promotions too. Like to bring this back to last night, right? So Sasha Banks comes out and attacks Bailey. Okay. As I'm watching this, I was just like, who's supposed to be the baby face here? Hmm. Because you had a heel turn on a heel. A heel turning on a heel doesn't make the one heel a baby face. Like neither one of them have any redeemable qualities. I don't want to see either one of them win. I want to see both of them just beat each other up because you're both awful people. Like they, yep. they have to be cast in the right position too. Exactly. Right, exactly. That's where you miss out. I mean, you could have had at that point, where is the, the tale of redemption, the road back to the, the WWE universe from Sasha. That's where you tell us that she, maybe she's had this realization. Uh, she's had time to reflect on where she has been. And this isn't the way that she needs to go. She needs to remember the passion and the fire that she had in that she had in her. That, then you use those damn charity spots that you're talking about, Jargo, and you include her into that. And then exactly. you have her reconnecting with this younger, especially female fan base. And then, boom, she's back on the scene going after Bailey. And I don't even like that. I don't even want her to attack her. I want her to confront her face to face like a true hero would. There you go. Yes. Yep. That's exactly right. All right, guys. Moving on to our next segment here. Let us go with our match of the week segment. All right, let's shift our focus back over to tag team wrestling here. And I thought, you know, since we have all, this to, all of us together here, and this is like kind of like a tag team special, uh, outside of just match of, of this week, 
I thought we'd pick, we'd all pick our favorite tag team match of all time and uh, kind of go around the table here. Uh, let's start off with our guest here first. Uh, let's go with uh, with Rick here first. Rick, what is your favorite tag team match of all time? Well, you said all time, but I want to throw out there one, you know, to maybe put some eyes on a new product out there. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun getting the opportunity to call this thing this past Friday night. It was over at Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, or you can join their fan pages, BOTB Brigade. Uh, just do that in the search the search engine there or the search bar there on Facebook and find them. Uh, but over there, we had the crown interim tag team champions as the Highlanders are unable to travel because of everything that's going on. So we, we had to find some new representatives for our tag division. Uh, we had one hell of a melee. Six teams going at this thing. It was supposed to be rumble rules, but the four teams that got in there jumped the gun. They were just hungry to get in back into the action there. Uh, they started going all over the place. The other teams making their way in again. I mean, you got six teams. That's 12 big bodies out there. You got managers involved at ringside. It, it, it absolutely was a melee. And in the end, uh, probably one of the the duos or trios because of their manager, the ultimate wing wingman, uh, Russell Actor Full Bland. Uh, they captured they captured the gold, which was a bit heartbreaking because we do talk about those that that we love to hate. Uh, and those guys are some absolute bastards. But they are the uh, the new Battle on the Border Tag Team interim. Battle on the Border Tag Team Champions. Uh, so, again, you can find that on Facebook, Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. Nice. All right, Mr. Michael Jargo, what is your favorite tag team wrestling match of all time? I know you're not a big tag team guy, but what's the main one that stands out to you? You know, I, I, I went back through the childhood vault, and I'm sitting there last night, and I'm going, okay, I know this match happened. Mm -hmm. Now, where did it happen? Where did it happen? All right. So, <laughs> I, I actually went and I pulled one of Huckleberry's favorite teams, against one of my favorite teams and my favorite tag team match of all time. I'm going back to SummerSlam mm. 1990 heart foundation versus demolition mm. two out of three falls. Nice. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm going to have to go back and watch that one. Now he piqued my interest, my friend. Fantastic match. Yes. Fantastic match. All right, Mr. Carl Carafel, what is your favorite tag team wrestling match of all time? Well, I, I kind of tried to find one that um, was a little bit outside of WWE okay. and uh, kind of what we grew up with uh, kind of knowing. So I've, I've, I've been over the years trying to watch a little bit more um, wrestling from other companies, not just the big ones, not mm -hmm. just the big two, three, four, whatever there is. So I, I had uh, a little while ago and I found it again. Thankfully, it was still on YouTube and I watched it again today. About 18 minute match coming from May 25th, 1992, hmm. All Japan Pro Wrestling. Okay, so we've got uh, Kenta Kabashi and uh, Kikuchi, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, K I K U C H I, Kikuchi. Yeah. Uh, versus, they were being billed as the Can Am Express back then. Uh, Dan Crofat and uh, Doug Furness. Nice. Um, wow. All Japan Pro Wrestling yeah. Superpower Series 1992. Go and look that up if you haven't seen it. Uh, you need to see this matchup. This was just fantastic. It nice. took the Southern classic style of professional wrestling and mixed it and paired it like a fine wine and a beautiful piece of cheese. Paired that together with the Japan style of professional wrestling, <laughs> nice. dude, like just 
giddy, giddy yeah. like a schoolgirl watching this. Fantastic. Nice. We're going to have to start covering even more Japanese wrestling so you can get better with those Japanese names. I've started to get a little bit better on them, but uh, we got to get Carl Bear at the Japanese games. <laughs> Shout out to any 90s All Japan. Like, mm-hmm. regardless, if you yeah. want to go back and you want to watch the Joshi stuff, the tag stuff, all of it was fantastic. All yeah. Japan was just firing on all cylinders in the 90s. Yeah. All right, so for myself, my favorite tag team match of all time is actually coming from the WWE, and it is coming from WrestleMania 17, and we are talking TLC2, the match between Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, and the Hardy Boys. Wow, uh, this was a, a tag team. This is this is my favorite tag team match of all time. Um, it was a, a three-way, and just it was one of those tag team matches where there wasn't oh, let's have these guys in the ring and everybody else take a break. And this was a way to use all three teams effectively the entire match. It's just There was always something going on to keep your attention. And um, some crazy spots that are still memorable. It's still showing the network. Um, you know, Edge spearing Jeff Hardy off of the – off of the while well, he's hanging, uh, grabbing the, the belts. Um, yeah, but, but, but it, yeah. the problem with that – that spot's incredible. Yeah, that is spot that is incredible. That spot also robbed us of about seven or eight years of Edge's career. Yeah. And, you know, and then Matt Hardy and um, Bubba go on uh, through the tables to the outside. Just, I mean, there's so many memorable spots. Uh, Rhino showing up. Spike was in there as well. Alita involved as well. Just there was always something there to keep your attention. That's what I loved about this match. This is that three-way tag team match done properly, in my opinion. To me, the thing that made that match so great is it, it's not even necessarily just that match. Yeah, it's the trilogy between sixteen, seventeen, yeah. and then SummerSlam two thousand. Yeah, that trilogy of matches and Epic. that three-way feud was fantastic. It was well done. It was well done. All right, guys, let's take another brief break here and hear from our friends over at thechairshot.com, and we'll be back with our showstopper segment for this week. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, guys, let us uh, wrap up the episode for this week here, and let's get to our showstopper segment. All right, so this one isn't necessarily tag team related, but I mean, it could involve tag teams if it uh, if it happens to be your pick. But I thought we'd go around the table here, since we have all four of us, and we're going to talk about most outrageous. It doesn't have to be a match, necessarily. It could just be a moment uh, in professional wrestling that comes to mind. Your most outrageous moment that you've witnessed watching professional wrestling. And uh, we'll start with our guest here, and this time we'll go over to Mr. Michael Jargo. Um, top of your head here, what is the, the most ridiculous, outrageous moment you've uh, ever watched in professional wrestling? This this was easy for me when I saw this on the road. Yeah. Um, there is a clip, and I've, I've, I'm not sure I've ever even seen the full match. Mm-hmm. But there is a match from DDT. That, so, like, within the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Where Minoru Suzuki rides a bicycle to the ring and runs over his opponent. <laughs> That's like, like a, a, like a, like a, a bicycle. <laughs> Like a BMX. Yeah, like a pedal bike. Like he gets <laughs> on the pedal bike at the entrance yep. and rides his bike to the ring and runs over his appoint uh, his opponent because fantastic. he's Minoru freaking Suzuki. That's fantastic. Wow. That's a good one. Do you, do you have like a second pick or like a runner up pick in your mind, or is that just that's um, the main one? Really, a, a, anything that involves Yoshikido. Yeah. 
uh, the, the the blow up doll from DDT. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all like the most ridiculous stuff that that's, I've ever seen. That stuff was good. Uh, what about you, uh, Mr. Richard Bronson Vickery? What's your most outrageous moment? Uh, outrageous. Let's see here. Let's go back about 12, 15 years. The Northern Wrestling Federation, it's happening down the street at Harrison, Ohio, at the, the Harrison Health and Fitness Center. Uh, there is a battle royal to, for their for their championship there. And part of the uh, the Stamp Wickage Army being one of the, the generals there representing it, I'm standing out there forefront. And we're rolling that night about probably about 150 of us deep into this arena. It ended up setting like one of their records for attendance and all that. Uh, and Jay Donaldson, that, that rat bastard, comes in and throws Stamp out. Uh, he's not entered into the match. He eliminates Stamp. And you would think everyone that was there, we, we, we had been building for a year, waiting for this moment for Stamp to win the title. Uh, so as I said, about 150 people behind me start chucking chairs, throwing beer cans, bottles. Uh, it's going to be an absolute outrage. Cue the music. Here comes owner-promoter Roger Ruffin. And I remember as he's making his way down the entrance, I even get that on my knees. And I'm like, please make this right. Please make this right. Please make this right. He goes ahead and reverses the decision because Stamp was not thrown out by someone actually in the match. Restarts the match. Moments later, Stamp takes the belt. Everyone had trashed the arena now. You've got like champagne beers popping everywhere. Everyone chugging bottles of Mad Dog. Absolutely epic. It was crazy. Uh, and it was something that, that really, truly makes independent wrestling so unique and so great. On yes. the big scale, though, I have to say, oh, man, I, I just so many individuals remember where they were when they were watching this thing, and it's fully going off the top of that cage. Oof. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, just briefly, yeah, before I go to, to your uh, pick here, Carl, uh, Jargo actually just in our, in our uh, Facebook chat uh, sent the, the gif of uh, Suzuki on, on the bicycle. Well, we'll find a way to hopefully uh, maybe uh, put this over on our Facebook page just so you guys can enjoy this. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. It's exactly how uh, Jargo described it. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> what's your pick for most outrageous moment in professional wrestling, Carl? So I feel like a like a big overachiever here. Um, I, I've, I've got... I've got two. I've got two as well. With with a super yeah. quick runner up here. Okay, so uh, Yamaguchi san, um, shamelessly racist Asian stereotype, pursued Val Venus wielding a samurai sword when Val Venus apparently had sex with his wife, with Yamaguchi san's wife. Wow. Yamaguchi san and his gang of ruffians dragged Val Venus into a back room someplace and stripped him down. Um, they were going to castrate Val Venus over this. Uh, before all of that happened, um, the lights went black. The segment ended. The following week, Val Venus um, appeared and was accompanied by John Wayne Bobbitt. Yes, a man whose wife had literally cut off his penis. Um, yeah, he was like a stocky man, no muscle, no definition, like nothing, whatever. Um, and he apparently is the one that saved Valvinus from Yamaguchi-san. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's do, your, do you know who yells out the immortal choppy choppy your pee pee? <laughs> no. It's Dick Togo. <laughs> Dick Togo. <laughs> really? Yes. Dick Togo. Dick Togo. Oh, geez. What was your runner-up pick, Carl? Well, this isn't a runner-up. This is this is a second one. That's it's a second one. Good. Full on okay? pick, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm just gonna read it here because I, I pulled it up so that I could read it. You know they say that all men are created equal. 
But you look at me and you look at Samoa Joe and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with one wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% chance at best at beating me. (laughs) Then you add Kurt Angle into the mix and your chances of winning drastically go down. See the three-way at Sacrifice. You got a 33 and one third chance of winning, <laughs> but I, I got a 66 and two third chance of winning oh, because Jesus. Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance. And you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning. If he was to go one-on-one, and then add 66 and two-thirds percent, I've got 144 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. <laughs> Such wise mathematical words coming from Rick's, or from Scott Steiner. Um, oh, man. <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. Outra- you want to talk outrageous? That yeah. was just mind-blowing outrageous that that and and uh, like just boom there it is yeah <laughs> there it is for for myself uh both uh i have two full-on picks uh and they're wait, both- wait, hold on yeah. i'm my last oh. runner up here okay. okay go ahead girl tna sting takes off a sting mask to reveal sting sting <laughs> what yeah what <laughs> oh what I think that was wasn't that just like maybe like a, a just a play to have a little fun in the back. Like I the, think so. GW days. I think so. It, it definitely, it definitely yeah. was. But it was Where, just when he when he re, re, he looked like the fake thing, and then he revealed himself to be the real thing. <laughs> right. Uh, How yeah. many times did Tony Schiavone get worked? Yeah. Oh my God! It's Sting. No, right. it's not Tony, and everybody yeah. knows it except you. Yeah. <laughs> right. For me, then, you know, since Carl did kind of essentially three picks, I'll do three picks as well. Why not? This is my show, or it's our show. Uh, my first one is Hulk Hogan turning heel WCW. Uh, for me, that, that was a genuinely outrageous, surprising moment, just given that I always knew Hulk Hogan as the good guy and to see him turn bad guy. And I'd never seen fans react that way to that happening, like legitimately throwing crap into the ring and everything like that. That, got, that, that was uh, that was pretty ridiculous my second pick is may young and mark henry resulting in the birth of a hand um that was uh, one of the most ridiculous outrageous things i think i've ever seen but for me still that the champion is still snitsky punting a fake baby into the audience that is hands down still my most outrageous moment i think i've ever seen in professional wrestling kick the baby Uh, since everybody is coming up with multiple options i I have a new one that i would like to throw in yes please retribution Hmm. like how who what yeah what very relevant pick yes yeah flapjack and maple syrup i mean i don't get it either yeah 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 they're gonna they're gonna go to the heights for sure. You got pork yep. and uh, uh, flapjack yep. and uh, ma- maple flavor. And uh, who else is in that? That yep. whatever the, you know, now? The worst part about that is now, <laughs> obviously, we had some different people under those masks at certain times. Yeah. Uh, before they found their direction. 
you know, it's still, you still just, you hope at some point they're going to get something right and you're hoping for the absolute best out of them. And if it would have been so magnificent, if you would have had the return of some of these people that got let go, that caused all that outrage so many months back, that this whole thing would have been a little bit of a work. I mean, could you imagine yeah. uh, as the rumor is that, you know, like Eric Young is working on a handshake agreement with impact. If he actually came back and, you know, he was kind of one of the head guys here or the good brothers or all the stink that was made about how mad AJ was and I'll play it off that. Like AJ got worked himself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could have had something truly magnificent instead of that. You're they're overvaluing their own third brand or development brand in NXT that people should act and know about who these lower, I mean, almost out of the performance center talents are. And now you're thrusting them to the main stage. And then, I mean, just even the way you don't even put them over yeah. in the first time out. I'm going to do to two more brief ones because they just came to mind and then we'll hey, uh, start wrapping up professional wrestling. We could go on for hours. About R- right. <laughs> I, I got a couple more that I want to bring up. The the one more uh, outrageous one. A form of entertainment. <laughs> right. The, the other two one uh, two that I want to bring up there, they're from WWE. The, the first one is uh, Vince blowing both quads, trying to get into the in, into the ring, trying to run in and get into the ring in the Royal Rumble with uh, Cena and Batista. That whole moment uh, still stands out to me, another outrageous one. But for me, I think another one that, that really actually negatively ended up affecting a wrestler's career and essentially killed their push and their, their rise was Ultimate Warrior being the victim of voodoo from Papa Shango. And... Uh, just a ridiculous amount of fake vomit coming from the ultimate warrior. And just that, that single-handedly essentially ruined his push as a, as a top guy in WWE. So that was a, you know, more of like, I consider kind of like a blunder, but just it, it totally warrior killed. A holes what ruined his push. True. But storyline <laughs> in and in, in what wise that that was kind of the, the nail in the coffin for him in WWE. And on a positive note, it did end up, for the best in Papa Shango's case. It did. Yeah. So yeah. it, it uh, worked out in his favor. All right, guys. But you know what they say? Voodoo ain't easy. Voodoo ain't easy. All right, guys. So let's wrap it up here for this week. Before we go, I'll uh, give uh, everybody a chance to kind of uh, get some plugs in here. Mr. Michael Jargo. Uh, I know that uh, recently uh, things haven't uh, been great there. Weather-wise, you guys were devastated by a, a wicked storm that you're still recovering from. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and uh, hopefully what you'll get to be uh, doing again very soon. There we got Jarko. Other than awkward silence, no, I think it was just the pause in the the stream there. Uh, Did you get him, Jarko? I do anymore, man. It, it's been so <laughs> damn long since I've gotten to do any kind of podcast. I'm actually yeah. this. This is what happens when you talk about LTE connection. Yes, it can be you unpredictable. Know, which is why I haven't podcasted and going on at destinopod.com. Um, and I, it's going to be the return of the Hitting the Marks podcast, not the pro wrestling podcast. Now it's just the Hitting the Marks podcast as myself and RBV have been uh, speculating. So if you, if you follow me on Facebook, if you enjoy my uh, top 10 random thoughts of the day, that's pretty much going to become the new format for the show. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where we're going. Um, otherwise, you can not follow me across all social media <laughs> at not charge. I'm looking forward to that for when that happens. Uh, uh, that'll definitely be on my download and listen list every single week. Uh, Rick, uh, where can people find you and what you're doing currently? Well, I will say, gentlemen, uh, our great brothers there to the from the great north, thanks again for the opportunity to come on Turnbuckle Talk. Always a, a tremendous time, a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, me personally, yeah, is the usual. You keep up with me across all social media platforms at The Real RBV. Uh, and pretty much, except for a few hours of sleep, I have been talking nonstop since Thursday evening. 
Uh, so as soon as we conclude today's episode here, I don't think I'm going to physically talk to anyone until Wednesday night because I got to give this thing a break. There we go. All right, Carl. And if you want some amazing stuff from Mr. RBV down there, make sure you're following the hashtag RBV Fitness mm-hmm. on Facebook. You yes. will not be disappointed. Uh, across all Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, across all social media platforms. Before we uh, call an episode here, Carl, tell us a little bit about our sponsors before we go. Our sponsors, you heard from one of them, collarandelbowbrand.com. Go and check out collarandelbowbrand.com for some amazing merchandise. Our product that we have that we're pushing right now is the Animal Tribute Shirt. Um, you can use our promo code if you want. Uh, you can use promo code JK Podcast at the checkout for that. You'll get 10% off your entire purchase. Um, all the proceeds from that shirt are going directly to Animal's family. So great cause. Awesome looking shirt. I, I'm loving it. I'm digging yeah. it. I may even be ordering myself one. Go and check out collarandelbowbrand.com. Use promo code JK Podcast. Our friends over at fnxfit.com. Go and check them out for some amazing supplements. Whether you're looking for protein powder, you're looking for super greens, uh, collagen help, uh, testosterone help, sleep help, pre-workout, post-workout, whatever. Go and check them out fnxfit.com you want a promo code send us a message on our facebook page we will get you a promo code for eh, 15 off you want that 15 off you got to make sure you send us a message and we'll get you that code to get 15 off at fnxfit.com big joe and myself are both wearing our turnbuckle talk classic logo t-shirts go and check us out as well Scrolling down below, turnbuckle-talk.myshopify.com. That's where you can find everything to get some great gear from Turnbuckle Talk. You want to see something else in that shop? Send us a message. Let us know what you're looking for, and we will do our best to get something made and put out there for you. You guys have a Corona mask in there? Yes. Yes, 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 we do. (laughs) All right, guys, we will see you on the next one. It's me, it's me, it's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I'd like everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run. Yeah.